Section 21 of The House of the White Shadows. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The House of the White Shadows by B. L. Fargen. Section 21. Book 4, Chapters 9 and 10. Chapter 9. Christian Almer Receives Two Visitors. Upon Christian Almer's desk, lay the note written by adelaide he saw it the moment he entered the room and knew therefore that some person had called during his absence at first he thought it must have been the advocate who not finding him in his room had left the note for him but as he opened the envelope a faint perfume floated from it it is from adelaide he murmured how often and how vainly have i warned her he read the note dear christian i cannot sleep until i wish you good night with no horrid people around us let me see you for one minute only adelaide to comply with her request at such an hour would be simple folly infatuated as he was he would not deliberately commit himself to such an act surely she cannot have been here he thought but if another hand placed this note upon my desk another person must share the secret which it is imperative should never be revealed i must be firm with her there must be an end to this imprudence fortunately there is no place in edward's nature for suspicion he blushed with shame at the unworthy thought five years ago could he have seen he who up to that time never had stooped to meanness and deceit the position in which he now stood he would have rejected the mere suspicion of its possibility with indignation but by what fatally easy steps had he reached it in the midst of these reflections his heart almost stopped beating at the sound of a light footstep without he listened and heard a soft tapping on the door not with the knuckles but with the fingertips he opened the door and adelaide stood smiling before him with her finger at her lips she stepped into the room and closed the door behind her it would not do for me to be seen she whispered do not be alarmed i shall not be here longer than one little minute i have only come to wish you good night Give me a chair, or I shall sink to the ground. I am really very, very frightened. Quick, bring me a chair. Do you not see how weak I am? He drew a chair towards her, and she sank languidly into it. As you would not come to me, she said, I was compelled to come to you. Compelled, he said. They spoke in low tones fearful lest their voices should travel beyond the room yes compelled i was urged by a spirit his face grew white a spirit how you echo me christian yes by a spirit to which you yourself shall give a name shall we call it a spirit of restlessness or jealousy or love she gazed at him with an arch smile adelaide he said your imprudence will ruin us 
"'Nonsense, Christian, nonsense,' she said lightly. "'Ruined because I happened to utter one little word. "'To be sure, I ought, so as to prove myself an apt pupil, "'to put a longer word before it and call it platonic love. "'How unreasonable you are! "'What harm is there in our having a moment's chat? "'We are old friends, are we not?' no i will not let you interrupt me i know what you are going to say you are going to say think of the hour i decline to think of the hour i think of nothing but you and instead of looking delighted as you should do as any other man would do there you stand as serious as an owl now answer me sir why did you not come to me the moment you received my note I had but just read it when you tapped at my door. I forgive you. Where have you been, with the advocate? No, I have been walking in the grounds. You saw nothing, Christian? she asked with a little shiver. Nothing to alarm or disturb me. There was a light in the advocate's study, was there not? Yes. He will remain up late, and then he will retire to his room. My life is a very bright and beautiful life with him. He is so tender in his ways, so fond of pleasure, pays me so much attention, and such compliments. It is so light-hearted and joyous, sings to me, dances with me. Oh, you don't know him, you don't, indeed. I remember asking him to join in a cotillion. You should have seen the look he gave me. She laughed out loud and clapped her hand on her mouth to stifle the sound. I wonder whether he was ever young, like you and me. What a wonderful child he must have been, with scientific toys and books always under his arm. Yes, a wonderful child holding in disdain little girls who wished him to join in their innocent games. What is your real opinion of him, Christian? It pains me to hear you speak of him in that way. It should please you. But men are never satisfied. I speak lightly, do I not? But there are moments when I shudder at my fate. Confess it is not a happy one. "'It is not,' he replied after a pause. "'But if I had not crossed your path, life would be full of joy for you.' It was not this he intended to say, but there was such compelling power in her lightest words that his very thoughts seemed to be under her dominion. "'There would have been no joy in my life,' she said, "'without you. We will not discuss it what is is sometimes when i think of things they make my head ache then i say i will think of them no longer if everybody did the same would not this world be a great deal pleasanter than it is oh you must not forget what the advocate called me tonight in your presence a philosopher in petticoats don't you see that even he is on my side though it is against himself? Of course one can't help respecting him. 
he is a very learned man he should have married a very learned woman what a pity it is that i am not wise but that is not my fault i hate learning i hate science i hate theories what is the good of them they say this is not right that is not right and all we poor creatures can do is to look on in a state of bewilderment and wonder what they mean if people would only let the world alone they would find it a very beautiful world but they will not let it alone they will meddle a flower now is it not sweet is it not enough that it is sent to give us pleasure but these disagreeable people say of what is this flower composed is it as good as other flowers has it qualities and what qualities what do i care i put it in my hair and i am happy because it becomes me because it is pretty because nature sent it to me to enjoy why i have actually made you smile because there is a great deal of natural wisdom in what you are saying natural wisdom there now does it not prove i am right thank you christian it comes to you to say exactly the right thing exactly at the right time i shall begin to feel proud and continued almer if you were only to talk to me like that in the middle of the day instead of the middle of the night she interrupted him again you have undone it all with your ifs what does it matter if it is in the middle of the day or the middle of the night what is right is right is it not without thinking of the time don't get disagreeable but indeed i will not allow you to be anything but nice to me you have made me forget everything i was going to say except one thing he said gravely which you came to say good night the minute is not gone yet she said with a silvery laugh many minutes many minutes he said helplessly and every minute is fraught with danger i will protect you she said with supreme assurance do not fear i see quite plainly that if there is a dragon to kill i shall have to be the saint george well i am ready danger is sweet when you are with me he was powerless against her he resigned himself to his fate who brought your letter to my room he asked dionetta have you confided in her she knows nothing and she is devoted to me if the simple maid thought of the letter at all as to what was in it i mean she thought of course that it was something i wanted you to do for me tomorrow, and had forgotten to tell you but even here i was prudent although you do not give me credit for prudence i made her promise not to tell a soul not even her grandmother that queer good old mother denise that she had taken a letter from me to you she did more than promise she swore she would not tell i bribed her christian i gave her things and tonight i gave her a pair of earrings you should have witnessed her delight 
I would wager that she is at this moment no more asleep than I am. She is looking at herself in the glass, shaking her pretty little head to make the diamonds glisten. Diamonds, Adelaide! A simple maid like Dionetta with diamond earrings? What will the folks say? Oh, they all know I am fond of her. They started to their feet with a simultaneous movement. Footsteps, whispered Almer. The advocates, said Adelaide, and she glided to the door and turned the key as softly as if it were made of velvet. He will see a light in the room, said Christian. He has come to talk with me. What shall we do? She gazed at him with a bright smile. His face was white with apprehension, hers red with excitement and exultation. I am St. George, she whispered, but really there is no dragon to kill. We have only to send him to sleep. Of course you must see him. I will conceal myself in the inner room, and you will lock me in and put the key in your pocket, so that I shall be quite safe. Do not be uneasy about me. I can amuse myself with books and pictures, and I will turn over the leaves so quietly that even a butterfly would not be disturbed. And when the dragon is gone, I will run away immediately. I am almost sorry I came. It has distressed you so. She kissed the tips of her fingers to him and entered the adjoining room. Then, turning the key in the door, Christian Almer admitted the advocate. CHAPTER X A BRIEF SURVEY OF THE WEB Pause we here a moment and contemplate the threads of the web which chance, fate, or retribution was weaving around this man. With the exception of a few idle weeks in his youth, his life had been a life of honor and renown. His ambition was a worthy one, and success had not been attained without unwearying labor and devotion. Close study and application, zeal, earnestness, unflagging industry, these were the steps in the ladder he had climbed. Had it not been for his keen intellect, these qualities would not have been sufficient to conduct him to the goal he had in view. Good luck is not to be despised, but unless it is allied with brain power of a high order, only an ephemeral success can be achieved. Never, to outward appearance, was a great reputation more stable or better deserved. His wonderful talents, and the victories he had gained in the face of formidable odds, had destroyed all the petty jealousies with which he had to cope in the outset of his career and he stood now upon a lofty pinnacle, acknowledged by all as a master in his craft. Wealth and distinction were his, and higher honors lay within his grasp, and, in addition, he had won for his wife one of the most beautiful of women. It seemed as if the world had nothing to add to his happiness, and yet destruction stared him in the face. The fabric he had raised, on a foundation so secure that it appeared as if nothing could shake it, was tottering, and might fall, 
destroying him and all he had worked for in the ruins. He stood at the door of the only man in the world to whom he had given the full measure of his friendship. With all the strength of his nature, he believed in Christian Almer. In the gravest crisis of his life, he would have called this friend to his side, and would have placed in his hands, without hesitation, his life, his reputation, and his honor. To Almer, in their conversation, he had revealed what may be termed his inner life, that life the workings of which were concealed from all other men. And in this friend's chamber his wife was concealed, and dishonor hung over him by the slenderest thread. Not only dishonor, but unutterable grief, for he loved this woman with a most complete undoubting love. Little time had he for dalliance, but he believed in his wife implicitly. His trust in her was a perfect trust. Within the room at the door of which he was waiting stood his one friend, with white face and guilty conscience, about to admit him and grasp his hand. Had the heart of this friend been laid bare to him, he would have shrunk from it in horror and loathing, and from that moment to the last moment of his life the sentiment of friendship would have been to him the bitterest mockery and delusion with which man could be cursed. Not five yards from where he stood lay Pierre Lamont, listening and watching for proofs of the perfidy which would bring disgrace upon him, which would cause men and women to speak of him in terms of derision for his blindness and scorn, for his weakness, which would make a byword of him, of him, the great advocate, who had played his part in many celebrated cases in which woman's faithlessness and disloyalty were the prominent features, and which would cause him to regard the sentiment of love as the falsest delusion with which mankind was ever afflicted. In the study he had left but a few minutes since, slept a man who, in a certain sense, claimed comradeship with him, a man whom he had championed and set free, a self-confessed murderer, a wretch so vile that he had fled from him in horror at the act he had himself accomplished. And in the open air, upon a hill a hundred yards from the House of White Shadows, lay John Van Brew, a friend of his youth, a man disgraced by his career, watching for the signal which would warrant him in coming forward and divulging what was in his mind. If what John Van Brew had disclosed in his mutterings during his lonely watch was true, he held in his hands the key to a mystery which, revealed, would overwhelm the advocate with shame and infamy. Thus was he threatened on all sides by friend and foe alike. End of section 21